still look pretty the podcast hey guys welcome back to the sit still look pretty podcast we're your hosts summer and vanessa and welcome back to another lawspective episode we thought we would do a um assignment episode considering it's assignment season and summer is dancing i'm not sure why she's dancing (laughs) sorry i'm just so excited to talk about assignments you know yeah yeah as you would um yeah why not i mean like look partially dancing because i'm so glad i don't have any assignments currently stopped dancing very suddenly because I will be starting my master's um in a year and I will then have assignments so I was humbled very quickly um but yeah we actually because people sometimes people sometimes ask me like oh you know how do you feel about law school being over and stuff like that and I'm like I don't think you guys understand like I still have nightmares I wake up (laughs) in the middle of the night paranoid that I haven't submitted my essay like on time it's and those stress dreams don't go away and I have like hot flushes and everything I wake up like proper oh it's just the worst you guys you know what though I miss it I miss it like not so much the the stress around exams but I do miss studying I do miss law school a lot like I think it went by so quickly that I was like completely stunned when it was over. Like I, we literally, I literally have a picture of the 26th of March at midnight is when I finished law school from my dining table. It was 26th of May, silly. 26th of May. (laughs) 26th of May (laughs) is when I finished, but at my dining table in my flat in Southampton. Thank you, COVID. Thank you. So yeah, I made it, I posted actually on LinkedIn today, a little sidebar about like productivity and working from home and remote working and stuff. And it just made me feel good to like get some, some of the words out there because remote working is hard. Remote studying is hard. We really feel for you guys. I know that some universities are still doing hybrid working. So we kind of hope that our tips on assignments can, you know, kind of put your mind at ease a little bit for the people who are, you know, just starting law school is their first assignment season um or even those in you know second third fourth year um who sometimes it's good to just hear tips that maybe you didn't hear before I mean in all honesty like if we're being 100% transparent I think it took me about two years to actually get to know what I what works in terms of assignments for me and what doesn't yeah so it's a trial and error kind of thing yeah So don't be disheartened if some of the tips that we give you guys today don't work for you. I mean, we'll try to to cover as many tips as possible, even the ones that didn't work for us, just in case they work for you. Yeah. But uh, I think when it comes to... It depends as well, quickly, on the module that you're doing the assignment for. Oh, 100%. But it's also like a... uh, It's a matter of how you work as well as an individual. And um, yeah, so just a little bit of of a disclaimer out there. Just because some things worked for us uh, doesn't mean that they'll work necessarily in the same way for you guys. You know, you might find that other methods work better for you in the same way when we discussed note-taking. A couple of episodes back, we were saying how Summer and I both took notes very differently to each other. And then kind of only really in the third year, we started taking notes in the same way. And... 
but yeah like you know if if it works for you in the sense that you know you like to write your notes by pen and paper then fair enough but it's it's all about like how you retain your own knowledge and I think this is another thing when it comes to assignments isn't like what we're talking about guys basically is your your home assignments so your essays and your courseworks not like your exams because I know that some people assignments exams sometimes they cross yeah, over yeah like it, it covers formatives summatives I, I I am aware that different universities call them different things yeah so mocks and you know compulsory assignments not written just, pieces yeah. yeah 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 okay well then let's yes dive straight in so okay so I think we should first go with like you know take them through the journey of like when you actually first get like your question or like you get given like sometimes you'll get given like four questions right and you have to pick like two most often or just you get two and you have to pick one if it's a like a mock um or sometimes you're just given a question but I doubt that they would just give you one question usually you pick from either four or two but anyway um obviously we're going to do two different types of planning as well because you've got your problem questions and you have your essays so yeah so what I usually used to do when I would first get, we'll do essays first, when I would first get the question sheets, um, I would look through all of the questions and I would highlight words that kind of stood out in the questions, like what it could be on. So, you know, some would have key cases or key quotes if I knew that a quote was from a particular um, a particular judge or a particular um you know lord or lady and I knew they said it and I knew what case it was in I would highlight it that's important you know like what does this tell me and then I would brainstorm kind of around it if there was two I would brainstorm around both of them if there's four I would go for the one I felt most confident in based off what I could identify straight off the back from just looking at the essay question and then when it came to problem questions I would have about two or three different highlighters and I would do like obviously the issue what is the issue here you know what I mean? Like, you know, what kind of niche things could I argue? So, you know, when it comes to like making like your assessment or your judgment, depending on what way you're going to take your like decision or how you're going to advise your client, it's usually like advise Susie (laughs) or whatever. Like I would highlight things that stood out, whether that would be a term in a, in a contract that they mentioned, because I would just like to point out when it comes to problem questions, like they put everything in there for a reason there's never just one answer there's multiple different answers so just highlight in the way of you know you understand whatever way is going to benefit your argument so whatever one makes the most sense and whatever one you think you can argue the best because just because there's another answer doesn't mean you have to go for that other answer if you don't feel confident in arguing that answer you know in law school you're going to get to know there's never usually one answer especially when it comes to problem questions and assignments so you know I would say grab three maybe even four highlighters and just highlight you know the different the different people sometimes a lot of the time actually in problem questions when you get them at law school what they do is they have two people who could be at fault for example or two people who will need a defense or you know one person's kind of um wrongdoing let's say overrides you know a defense that somebody else could have had 
you know just stuff like that you have to think in ways it's like how does this affect the other person because a lot of the time they put multiple people so yeah highlight and then obviously when you're highlighting obviously annotate what you've highlighted otherwise when you go to write the essay (laughs) you know you're going to be a bit confused so highlight around it and then just what I like to do is I like to throw in key cases that come to mind like straight away you know so if there's a key like key cases on causation or if there's key cases on I don't know breach of warranties or breach of conditions and you know all of those kind of key cases that just come to mind straight away write them down either underneath or around or whatever so like get everything that you can think out think of on paper in that moment um and do the same for the essay as well you see it's it's (laughs) it's funny because I have a totally different way of doing this thing of course you do of course you do that that, this is why we're friends (laughs) yeah I mean I just do it completely differently and I think it's also why I'm actually quite famous for my 15-page plans. Um. <laughs> the thought of that is anxiety-inducing, even now. No, I think, look, so I think the reason why they were that long is because I used to write my plans out uh, on paper with pen. I didn't print them out. And obviously, like, my handwriting was sometimes messy and quite big. So it was 15 pages, but I think if you were to type them up, it would probably be like five. Anyway, whatever, irrelevant. But yeah, so I used to just read the question and usually if you pay attention, if it's an essay question, I think we should differentiate between essay questions and problem questions. If it's an essay question, usually there's two parts to it. One, it's like, it's either giving you sort of like a statement or a, uh, say a certain a text from a judgment or so on and so forth and then the second part of the question it will usually be you know discuss this or do you agree with this or uh, critically evaluate the uh, I don't know the validity of this or some sort of question right and with problem questions you'll usually have uh, like Summer has already said a lot of facts in a in the scenario and nothing in those questions by the way is ever by mistake so don't ever think like oh why is this happening this way because it might not appear to you like obvious in that specific moment but I promise you everything that is put in there somehow relates to the question one thing if you don't listen to that piece of advice one thing that you experience me and Venus have both done this yeah we both have had eureka moments when we've actually been in the actual writing process of the problem question and then we're like hold on something doesn't make sense something is missing here and then we look back over the problem question and the missing answer is in the facts that they've given us and then you're like shit I've already just (laughs) written like a thousand words this problem question you don't want that to happen so don't go into the like reading the problem question and then planning it naively like you don't want to be naive or gullible to the fact that oh they just said that you know the the sweet corn was spoiled well it doesn't matter if it was ruined uh mm. You know what? It does. <laughs> oh, you have like, I don't know. I'm just thinking of something off the top of my head. You have someone that's like, say in the problem question, it states that this person is eating fish and then another person has an allergic reaction. Think about the link. What if the other, what, what if the person is allergic to fish? You know, you just, there's, the, the links are not obvious. They're obviously there for you to draw the assumption, not the assumptions, but the 
you know, to, to link the facts together. But never think that something that might seem so irrelevant doesn't relate because it. Prom I promise you it does. Anyway, so yeah, I would say highlight the questions, highlight the different parts, color coordinate them if it helps you. And um, yeah, like I, what I used to do is I used to uh, go through like the whole module. So if, for example, if it's a half a year module or if it's a semester module, say it's a semester module, right? Um, I would go through like all of the lessons that we've had up until then. Usually there'll be about four or five lectures if it's a formative and it will be the whole nine lectures if it's a summative and yeah you go through it you listen to all the lectures you make your notes whatever update your notes and then I would pull out like specific parts that I think relate to the question this was mostly for essays rather than problem questions because uh, problem questions are a lot more application but yeah I would pull out like specific parts of different lectures that I think related to the question and then I would um, read the textbook chapter that relates to that particular question. And, but of course, it's never really usually just one chapter. It always, there's always more because nothing is ever so singled out. I was literally everything. just going to say this, like when it comes to like re-watching lectures and things like that, what you'll find with your modules you'll find this across the three years but also like individually within the modules everything kind of interlinks so you can't yeah. just sit there and watch one like the the recording of the lecture on breaches of warranty because when they talk about breaches of conditions or like the remedies for this, they will still bring stuff up. So this is why it's really important to not only just attend your lectures, but if you can't attend your lectures or your seminars, make sure you catch up with the work because it's not as like, because then you won't have all of the knowledge or you won't have all of the critical analysis that you would have had if you had gone along the journey with the lecturer, basically. Yeah, no, you, it's, it's important that you listen to, to all of the lectures before you start, um, writing your answer but yeah so I would I would do that and then I would read the relevant textbook chapter now like I said before nothing is ever so singled out there's usually more than one book um, more than one chapter but just try and use your common sense to find what's mostly relevant and you'll get better at this over time. Like I remember in the first years, I was awful at this. I was, it would take me hours and hours and hours to read um, a chapter. But now like towards the end of my law school, of my time at law school, I got better at it. And it's a skill that you build on gradually. So don't be disheartened if you don't get it like straight away. But yeah. And then once you have, once you've pulled all this information from all these different sources, You'll already have the cases because in the lectures you discuss cases, you dissect them and you talk about the judgment, you talk about what was said, etc., etc. So you'll already have cases. Um, now, some people I know separated the cases from uh, the other information that they were going to write and they would make like a case glossary or something. I would just uh, make the plan. I would just pull in the information. I would have like a dumping document where I would just dump everything that I thought was relevant to the question with absolutely no structure. And uh, that includes cases as well. And then what I did is I took that document, which is usually about 20 pages, which is a lot of information. 
And I would then create another document, which would be the plan. And then that's how I would begin to structure and I would begin to see how all this content, all this information that I had was going to fit in with with what I was being asked to do. It's, of course, helpful. And I found this in the later stages of my time at law school that um, sometimes it can be useful to create like a skeleton answer, which is literally just you're just uh, jotting down the paragraphs like what the paragraphs are going to be about. So it could literally be as simple as two words. So just so you can see like the backbone of the essay. And it also helps you in ascertaining whether you're truly answering the question or if you're going off on a tangent. So that can be quite useful as well to do. But yeah, so I would skim that document down from 20 pages to about 15 pages, depending on like the word limit of the essay. By the way, I never, I don't think in the whole three years, I've ever submitted an essay that was less than the absolute word limit of that particular essay. It's actually a law student rite of passage to submit your essays using pretty much all of the word count, even though throughout law school, they're going to tell you, if you can write your answer more concisely, please do. (laughs) If the word limit was 4,000 words, you can bet your ass I'm going to do 3,999 words. My dissertation was like 9,000 800 words I was 200 words under the word count that's it so um yeah and uh, depending on the word count as well that also should reflect the amount of research you do um and how you allocate your time and how you spend your resources and that kind of stuff and um yeah and then that was my plan and then I would have so I would do a split screen on my laptop And on one side of the screen, I would have the document with the plan. And then on the other side of the screen, I would have the document with the answer as I was writing it. And I would just glance over at the plan and then keep writing and then glance over at the plan and keep writing and so on and so forth. And then if you really want to like truly see the direction your answer is taking, you can, of course, have in front of you, like on a piece of paper, the skeleton answer that you had produced when you were still preparing your um when you were still getting ready to write your answer so that could also help but yeah I realized that I'm like rambling I'm dumping a lot of information on you guys so I am sorry about it but it it truly is a process that requires a lot of fine-tuning and it requires a lot of self-awareness as well because I don't think some of us realize that we are so stuck in our ways and the ways that we do certain things that we don't realize that actually the way that we do certain things can maybe sabotage um, our efficiency or can sabotage the way we, the grades we get and that kind of stuff. So for example, when I was in sixth form, I absolutely loved writing my notes um, by, by hand. And when I got to university, I kept, I still kept trying to do that because I thought that that was like how I was going to do it because I absolutely loved doing that. And to me, that was the only way that I could take notes. But it just the volume of the work just didn't I just couldn't keep up with it. I couldn't keep up with writing everything by hand and it just didn't work. So I had to say goodbye to that method of um, note taking. But had I not realized that, I think I'd wouldn't be where I am today you know so it requires a lot of uh, fine-tuning self-awareness and just trial and error see what works see what doesn't 
but yeah that's uh, that's the process that I adopted when I was writing when I was writing my answers and that was both for mock exams and mm. for the longer the longer um, answers that we were sometimes requested to do so yeah so like very different methods guys uh-huh. so when it came to like after um after like you'd I'd written all of my notes and stuff around the questions that I'd chosen to do when it came to problem questions um it would be like a like I would draw like a little journey of like where I was taking it and I would write next to it like what I was going to argue in each individual paragraph why the case is and all of that so so I would map out paragraphs individually um after I'd done like the roadmap of what like so usually when I said before that there were two usually two sometimes three if they were being particularly horrible um kind of people that you needed to find remedies for or you know stuff like that that's problem questions yeah 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 problem questions um I would obviously individually write their journey down so like you know what remedy why what evidence shows me this you know for example that's just an example of like providing remedy whatever um and I would do it for each in like each individual and then you know usually they would be like 2,000 words right so then I would map out like my paragraphing so like my introduction would be like I know, like three sentences about what I would argue and why. Oh, the amount of times that I used to divide the word count. So then I used to be like, okay, I have exactly 375 words for this paragraph. Yeah, no, it gets, it's a tricky one. It's a tricky one because you usually have so much to say. So um, I would love to speak to some barristers to see if they were also like this at law school or not, because they be planning cases in real life. So I'm just curious as to see if they divide their time by like, so I have two minutes, 36 seconds to say this, you know, like, but anyway, so yeah, so I would plan for each person individually, um, and then kind of bring my essay together from there um putting all of the individual cases that go together they love a quote they love like a kind of what a judge actually said in your problem questions sometimes so you know slap them in both problem questions and essays slap them in there um a slight little tip with this is that once you've read a couple of cases and you're starting to like really you know become more acquainted with everything you'll start to always know the kind of opinions certain judges will always hold towards certain things yeah so it'll become a lot easier to to be like oh okay well actually in this case I bet that this judge said this because this is the kind of yeah like you're while during your time at law school like second and third years are probably already aware of this but like certain judges will have track records with you of like you know what kind of what they're kind of going to argue because like <laughs> don't say it the don't token it. is Lord Denning like I just have to put it out there the token one is 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 Lord Denning um you'll hear he I don't even know what to say like he is very he's quite well known at when you're at law school he is very well known for being kind of standout in comparison to everybody else like you I just love his originality yeah he I love his originality thinker he's very a forward thinker for sure but then also depending on the modules you choose and things like that like you'll get specific um 
lords, ladies, judges, um, who are, that's their specialty. So they'll come up all the time, basically. Um, and you'll get to grips with that very soon, I'm sure. But yeah, anyway. And then when it comes to essays, so I'm going to tell you a little story. So Summer loves an essay. I do. I love an essay. If you ask me to write an essay, I would happily do it because I I think that... Yeah, not after law school, no thanks. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. The thing is, I feel like I know a lot of stuff. Like, do you know what I mean? Like, I feel like my brain is full of information. But anyway... I always preferred essays to problem questions because I like to argue. I went to law school for a reason. Like <laughs> So basically, I like the whole you just get a question and it's not decided, you decide it kind of. You're not given all of the facts. You're not given all of the, you know, it's not based on a hypothetical situation. It's based off like your opinion of a theory or, you know, your opinion of a judgment or, you know, stuff like that. And whether you agree or don't agree with it. The best thing to do in those situations when I, I what I saw when it came to planning was cases that agreed with it and cases that didn't agree with it because they're not necessarily going to give you a case where like okay so let me give you an example so if they give you a modern case that's completely changed the route of where the law was going in that particular field in that particular um theory for example like if it completely changed everything that you know the course of the journey a good way to argue that is I prefer the old law and why you know what I mean like it'll be like analyze this whatever case you know and then a good way to argue that is to kind of fight the cases off each other like pick one like the case that initially set the precedent and then obviously the case and the question is one that kind of altered that precedent right and then say which one you prefer and why like the effects of it like the important thing when it comes to your essays more than anything else what's really going to get you the money is your critical analysis we've said this in a previous essay uh, previous essay previous episode before that your critical analysis is so important so you really have to make sure that your analysis of cases is absolutely sweet so what I liked to do um, at law school is when it would be an essay you can tell that like me going to law school is like part of my personality because I just throw law school around all the time but anyway um and it's true what they say, law students are very arrogant. I'm not going to deny it. We are. We, yeah. Hey, speak for yourself, okay? Yeah, no, Vanessa oh. is. Vanessa- anyway, I'm not going to call you out anymore. I'm going to stop that. Anyway, <laughs> what I like to do is when I was planning for, you know, these essays, um, even writing them, I liked to, p- before I would actually start typing, write down all of my analysis of these cases and whether I agreed and, you know, the, one thing they always love little cookie for you guys talk about the dissenting argument if you agree with the dissenting argument or if you if you don't agree still talk about it because they love that stuff because it shows that not only do you understand the law but like you're good at making your own opinion it's the critical um it's the, it's critical, the critical analysis of it do yeah. I mean, like, that's what they love so when you're writing your essay I've done a lot of waffling here. When you're writing your essay, think about cases, whole cases, you know, that go against that case in the question, for example. But then go down 
trickle down into the inside of the case that you're using to oppose this case and be like, however, if the dissenting argument succeeded, this would have created a precedent and it wouldn't have taken 20 years for this now current case that we're discussing in this essay or in the question to now change the precedent. If we went with Lord Denning on this, then this would have been the outcome and the change that this would have made to you know, those involved, whether it's employment law or I don't know the criminal justice system like whatever do you know what I mean so think about your critical analysis like that like you but don't get lost in it because the moment that you get lost in your critical analysis is the moment that your essay starts getting confusing you need to keep your sorry you need but let's keep trying to talk and I keep talking you need to keep your kind of structure your flow where you're going your argument needs to be clear throughout otherwise they're just not really going to want to read it go on sorry how nice of summer to feature me on this episode, right? You, you don't even try me. When you, I only spoke about <laughs> the questions and I was saying about how I mind mapped around the questions. You knew that wasn't my plan. You gave a 15-page plan for you to describe your 15-page plan. Don't try me. <laughs> anyway, so what I what I was gonna say is that. A lot of the time, um, cases might appear to to be in direct disagreement with each other. Like there might there might there can sometimes appear to be a clash. But actually, what you realize is that a lot of the outcomes in cases are very fact specific. So, for example, I remember in second year when we were doing land law, which as you if you've listened to this podcast, you know that I absolutely love land law. It's disturbing. Um, <laughs> it's just it's disturbing. So we, it comes in handy, you know, but um, anyway, so we used to study this thing called constructive trusts and resulting trusts. So we're, <laughs> if you guys can see Summer and her face right now, anyway, and so she would, um, so we would study these things, right? And there was this one particular case where we were talking about constructive trust and resulting trusts and whether, you know, what is the difference between the two and whether in certain situations, what are the situations in which we should apply constructive trusts and uh, resulting trusts? And, you know, there was a specific chain of, of, there was a specific chain of case law that was apparent you know, that you would apply resulting trust in like uh, business relationships, that kind of stuff. And that constructive trust would be more sort of for like uh, complex, like, uh, you know, uh, yeah, complex relationships. And um, the specific, the facts were so specific in a case that when you read the next case, which kind of appeared to clash with the other one, there was a totally different outcome. And it's like, okay, but these are the facts and this is the outcome so like how do you reconcile the two and that's a very also that's a very important critical analysis point to make as well if you have two cases which appear to have very similar facts with two different outcomes then you need to think how do you reconcile that specific case was that an outlier was it a one-off or were the facts in it in the case so specific that it just led to a very different outcome also you have to, this is why it's important to not only look at the judges deciding the cases as well to figure out why, but also um, context is sometimes important about the time, what was going on at the time. Like I remember one of the first opening 
um, lectures that we had um, for land law was on, you know, the 2010 financial crisis and all of that stuff, because sometimes context is important or like um, client relationships are sometimes important. So like something that we did in equity was like, you know, the relationships between grandchild and grandparents and when it came to like wills and things like that or like when it came to um like one that always sticks in my mind the housekeeper lived in the cottage on the grounds I can't remember what case this was um lived in the cottage on the grounds I think it's because it's similar to some of the fictional books no equity she lit but then when the people who but there was land law involved in it yeah when the people who owned the property died she claimed to have a right in that cottage because she'd lived there for like 20 years or something but then when the daughter or the son came to you know go on the grounds they tried to evict her and it was whether they had the right to remove her whether she had um interest in the land whatever whatever anyway so the point you know, sometimes those sort of relationships, you have to think about the parties' relationships. It obviously depends on what sort of law module you're doing. Party relationships, context, the judges that are deciding it. You know, like if you start going, you know, Lord Simmons is well-renowned for, maybe this one will be more appropriate. Lord Sumption is well-renowned for very controversial opinions. Um, uh, or you can be like, Lord Sumption always falls on the side of, you know more conservative whatever whatever do you know what I mean like sometimes like a one-liner like that can be helpful but also like you know judges are human as well so yeah just sometimes it's important to just think about context so think about context think about whether it was an outlier think about you know the precedent that's affecting it think about the theories of law that affect it um I think we're really selling people onto studying law right now I think we're doing a fantastic job Adam are are you being sarcastic yes why (laughs) this is this is the part I loved about law like the complexity it's a hundred percent and listen it's not for everyone we've been knowing but I'm just saying like it sounds so intricate and so complex and I'm trying to oh it's not like I mean I'm trying to like um, make no mistake it's not easy you know what no. I mean like the thing is no you have to remember that me and Vanessa are saying this after completing our law degrees already like we weren't saying this in like first year or even second year really like so we want to be like your you know big sisters helping you through law school like you know it sounds overwhelming and law school is overwhelming as hell but it won't be over it won't be super overwhelming if that's truly what you want to do like don't get me wrong both Summer and I had times where we were like, okay, this is just getting a bit too intense now. Like, you know, it feels like there's just so much happening. Um, but we we stuck with it. And if we hadn't had that love for it, I don't think we would have been so no. uh, consistent with it. No. Anyway, let's get back to the topic of this, yeah. uh, of this, of this episode. Yeah, anyway, <laughs> um, so yeah. should we go to like the writing? like the actual like how you like manage your time planning and writing and yeah I mean it's, it's kind of it's kind of tough to to talk about this um because some universities do it very differently and sometimes you have 48 hours to write it sometimes you have weeks to write it like it's just a bit you know like some universities are very different about the way they do mm. their uh, mock exams and their summatives 
but I guess we can give some general objective advice. Okay. So I like to think about it like I'm in an exam. Summer ex- summer excels in exams. So when COVID hit, summer was struggling. Um, but I like to think about it in an exam. And in an exam, you usually have like two hours, three hours if you're doing landlord. Sorry, guys. <laughs> but yeah, sorry. The thought of it still depresses me. But anyway. Um, I love landlord. Direct okay, all your queries. It. Direct all your landlord queries to me. We get it. We get it. You're strange. Anyway. Um, <laughs> and basic by the way guys we're recording this quite late at night and i say late at night it's 20 past nine um and me and vanessa are children who go to bed at half 10 <laughs> so, so this is late for us this is like nearing bedtime but anyway so i like to think about it when we're given an assignment whether it's a mock or a summative um i like to think about in an exam so in a normal exam we'll have like four questions and we have to do two or we have to do three you know and I think about how I divide my time like that so then I'll in real like assignments take it home I'm doing it at home I'll divide my time like that as well so when it came to when we would have a week to do it I would do my planning on the day first day okay this is another thing about law school you most law schools don't give a reading week so you also have to manage your time around your lectures and your seminars um and your extracurriculars as well but if we had like a week to do it I would do my planning in like the first day maybe roll it over to the second day in terms of like so the first day I'd be brainstorming and then chatting to the girls about what their ideas are on it that's a really good way actually of getting around it because everybody thinks differently so sometimes when you're talking to your friends about like your brainstorming you do do your own brainstorming first don't be a follower yeah so you individually do your brainstorming and then you guys go you like you go to your friends and you talk to them and they're like e see that's not going to work for this 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 and this reason or and then you go no but I can prove it with this 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 and this and they're like oh okay fair enough you know what I mean? Like, don't start fist fighting your friends if they have a different opinion to you. This is how the world works. But that is a really good way to kind of um, p- be able to picture your plan, picture your essay, picture where you're going. And then obviously on the day two, I would write it all down, like my plan. That's when I would start my in-depth research. So I would go to the library. I would grab some books, maybe an article, talk to the law librarian, me and the law librarian, well no longer law library he's not the law librarian at uni of Southampton anymore but me and him were besties we're friends on Facebook your law librarian is a gem because if you go to them and you talk to them about a particular theory they're very good at guiding you in directions of where the right books are or the right um, theorists are or the right judges are Um, so you know if you're a bit stuck go to them yeah and that's when I do my in-depth proper nitty gritty sit at my laptop in the library quiet area and just bang it out like my whole plan I can't start writing without a proper plan a lot of it is um is also like playing Tetris because you're just kind of like fitting you have like very niche arguments and Mm. then you have like cases as well and this is why I'm saying it takes two days to plan if you want to be like you know you want to aim for the higher grades then I suppose you can use like cases that maybe weren't in the um in the book and you can you know find this is why it's important to talk to your to your law library yeah but also 
I <clears throat> think, you know, some people don't even plan. Like, no, some people no. don't even make plans. And this like, is why I'm, this is one thing that me and Vanessa had right. Yeah. She had 15 page plans. There's no way in hell that I'm going to write a 15 page plan by hand. But our plans were very detailed. We never started writing an essay in the entirety of law school. And I'm pretty sure we didn't do this before we even went to law school. But anyway, without having a clear and detailed plan. And if you can't look at your plan and know exactly what you're going to argue, the plan's bad. That's just it. If you can't look at your plan don't... and know exactly what you're going to argue, you have a bad plan. And you're, when you're going to start typing, you're going to start getting anxious and you're going to start worrying. Do you know what I mean? Like when you look at your plan, you need to feel calm. You need to feel calm and you need to feel focused. If you don't feel like that, looking at your plan, do it again. Like, I just don't understand how you can be so brave. Like, first of all, I aspire to be as brave as you. But second of all, how how can you just not make a plan like how does that work how like your answer must be so chaotic and all over the place anyway it's just something I thought I would uh, I would point out that there are people out there who write essays without plans which is absolutely crazy to me I mean maybe you can get away with it in like a different you know subject if you're studying different things maybe living perhaps. Life on the edge yeah quite literally but anyway uh, yeah then you come to your writing day three four is usually right I say you get a week it's usually five days yeah because five working days anyway oh and in this time you still have to attend your lectures you still have to do your seminar work and have to turn up to your seminars let's so not the best that. thing to do is when you have like when you know like you're gonna have a two-hour seminar two-hour lecture whatever you know how much time you have in a day set out like if you work better in the morning then once you finish your 9am or whatever, come back and then just start working. Do you know what I mean? Like set yourself two, three hours. Don't, one thing not to do. And, you know, it's so easy to fall into this trap. Don't sit there all day and neglect everything else just for this essay because you're not going to be productive. If you sit there and stare at this essay over and over and over and over again, your your mind needs to see different things. Make sure you're going for a walk. Make sure you're eating three meals a day, like, it sounds so complicated right now because me and Vanessa weren't like, like initially we weren't like it. When it got to exam season, actually, um, like uh, second year, I was better at it. Third year, completely whooped my ass because of COVID. That was a completely different situation. But like when it came to assignment period in second year, because of what I did in first year, like in, when it came to second year, I knew how to manage my time better. But don't sit there and stare at your screen or because you're going to lose the will and you're going to burn out like that and you're not going to have seen anything else and your seminar work is going to be rejected and your lecture notes are going to be rejected and, you know, I you're not going to have one, for yourself. I remember this one particular exam that absolutely, I think to this day, still gave me PTSD and that was IP. I and loved IP. I loved I, I loved IP too. It was a great module. It was just the exam. It was, I think, the Brutal. first because yeah, because it was the first exam of the year. And it was like in winter and everything was dark like so quickly. And it was from home. And it was just a cocktail of elements that just made it so um unforgettable, but not much to remember as well at the same time it was a bit of a but yeah I think what Summer said is uh, is truly valuable I um 
one thing that you can learn from this as well. Um, one in second year, I took this module called healthcare, and um, Summer took it as well, actually. And uh, we we were given a four thousand word summative essay to do. There was no exam for this, by the way. It was just a there was no exam for this. But the problem was was that we had January exams, and this particular coursework was well essay whatever you want to call it was due around the time it was actually due the morning of our torts exam uh so we had to it was due the afternoon we had our exam it was due at midday oh yes yes so we had a torts exam in the morning and then it was due at midday and um we had like um what's it called we had about a month to write it but in our defense, we had Christmas. We had, there was just so much happening around that time that we just didn't get a chance to like properly sit down, research and write. So I can't lie, was, me and Vanessa were slightly unserious candidates with this module because we thought we did believe in our source a little bit too much with this um, and we were humbled. I'm just saying, because we've got to be <laughs> honest. We have to be honest. Anyway, so we we just it just kind of fell and it was kind of it kind of had to be done last minute. Right. And this is a long story short of how I wrote a 4000 word essay in two days. Two days now, the reason I'm telling you this story is not to not to make you believe that you can write an essay in two days, but to tell you that you shouldn't write an essay in two days. Um, merely because it's just not going to be great and it's not going to you and think Vanessa that both got be Vanessa and our other friend we all got two twos on this essay because we all did the same thing basically so this was we were humbled so fast with this because but it we, was a valuable lesson yeah we learned from it this happened in second year so we were humbled really quickly first because, semester yeah. yeah first semester of second year so we were humbled really quickly because we were like rah like we thought that we were like on top of it if you're given a week to do it it's because you need to do it in a week that's just it if you're given 48 hours you can do it in 48 hours because you sit there and write the exact same essay in two hours in an an exam yeah no the reason uh, I'm telling you this story is so you don't do the same thing um even no matter how tempting it is to leave it till the last minute don't because it will stress you out you're not gonna do well and it's just not gonna I've heard crazy stories about people writing their dissertation in a week and I'm like how 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 can you do that like how can you because I know when I had an essay due I couldn't physically sleep at night if I knew that I wasn't working on it. Like it just, I just couldn't sleep. I think the the biggest tip, the biggest advice I can give you guys on assignments and is, and it's not how to reference and it's not how you write and it's not on critical analysis. It's time management that I can't even explain to you how much of an important skill this is when you have your assignments because when you have good time management you don't have to sit there all day staring at your laptop you don't have to sit in the library all day you don't have to 
you don't have to because you're excelling and you're doing your best work in the time frame that you've given yourself to do it you know yeah and that biggest rule of thumb if you take anything away from this episode sos v time management is going to honestly underpin your performance in your obviously not just you're not measured on time management but your ability to to excel in your assignments will massively be underpinned by time time management because you're able to manage your time researching planning writing but also you're able to manage your time in your lectures storing knowledge in your seminars you know what I mean like you're not missing any lectures or seminars and if you are you're catching up in the time that you've given yourself so that you still are storing all of that information time management I think is the hidden contributor to to any grade you know it's you don't see it it doesn't make a part of your grade but it certainly can really influence the direction a grade can take and on that note I think we should wrap up um, this episode because it's quite lengthy and it's quite late past our bedtime actually well very close to our bedtime an hour until our bedtime actually (laughs) um because you know we're such fun individuals and (laughs) (laughs) no it just it just so happens that I'm home on this particular night okay anyway um we love you guys as always and we thank you for listening and we look forward to seeing your faces in the blueprint uh series and yeah oh, we hope- and also just for any listeners who have made it to the end of this very lengthy episode we will be having guests we're going to be having guest speakers um starting um from December onwards so it you know I wanted to do a little expose here because genuinely it's you know if anyone's open to it please let us know we want to talk to more people and you know I'm tired of talking to Vanessa every day you know (laughs) (laughs) guys we're recruiting for a new co-host position and this still look pretty podcast you can't you can't actually do that thank you very much anyway I'm not I'm saying I'm recruiting for you oh you're oh you're get you're quitting are you oh okay I see quitter no I'm joking anyway well if if you're tired of speaking to me what what am I to do anyway <laughs> they're gonna be listening to up yes <laughs> and um as always if you have any questions or any you want any tips or any advice or anything our Instagram is always open and um, so is our Twitter yes okay and yeah we we hope you have a fantastic day evening whatever time it is that you're listening and we will hear you well we'll you'll hear us on the next episode so bye bye bye